Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing? Let's stand to our feet. Let's praise Jesus in this place, in the house of the Lord. God who evermore He opened the prison doors He parted the raging sea My God, He holds the victory There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today We won't be quiet We shout out your praise
call out to him, church. Cry to him. give him some praise. Amen. How I long to breathe the air of heaven. He is gone. And mercy fills the streets to look upon one who bled to save me. Walk with There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death shall be no more. Standing face to face with you, died and rose Doubt and fear. In the end, we see that it was worth it when He returns to wipe away our tears. Come on, let's sing this together. There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be One voice, with one voice, a 
Lord Jesus, we give you the glory in your house this morning. Truly you are worthy. Truly. We sing your praises today. Glad people, Lord, for all that you have done, how you have saved us with your everlasting love. And all God's people said amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you parked back here this morning, you figured out how to get here, I guess, right? So God is on the move here. Hey, turn to the person beside you. Tell them how great they sounded singing this morning. And I want to invite you to have a seat. We've got a very special baptism that's going to take place at this time with Pastor Brandon. That might have been right on time, guys. Let's see. Am I on the side? Well, good morning, Anastasia Church. What a beautiful morning to be together and to celebrate with a baptism. And today we have seven of our Anastasia kids are gonna be coming and joining us in baptism. And I'm very excited because I know all of them personally and I've had three of them in my kids' parade class. So I feel pretty good about that. But we're gonna start, come on down. And we're gonna start with Miss Bailey Grace Gleaton. You can pop right up there. Bailey Grace is in second grade. I'm gonna have you turn around for me. And Bailey Grace, what is your profession of faith? Well, good, me too. In light of that decision, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in newness of life. It is so hard. And next up, we have Braylon Gleaton. Braylon is in fourth grade. And Braylon, what is your profession of faith? I love Jesus, and he can make me pure, beautiful. In light of that decision, turn around. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in newness of life. <laughs> and here we have Nora Venancio, who is also part of the Gleaton family. Um, Nora is in second grade. Nora, what is your profession of faith? Awesome. In light of that decision, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in the newness of life. And then wrapping up the family, we have Jolie Venantio. She is in fifth grade. Jolie, what is your profession of faith? Beautiful. In light of that decision, I baptize you, my sister, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in newness of life. And now we have Miss Lily Jack. Lily is in the fourth grade. Lily, what is your profession of faith? I love Jesus. In light of that, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in newness of life. Amen. 
And here we have Miss Rachel Peters. Rachel is in the third grade. Hopper. There we go. And Rachel, what's your decision? Or what is your profession of faith? Beautiful. In light of that, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, and raised in the newness of life. And now we have Mr. T.W. Jones. He is in the third grade. Hop up there, T.W. T.W., what is your profession of faith, buddy? Awesome. In light of that, let's turn you around. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Christ the likeness of his death. And raised for newness of life. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you so much for these beautiful children and this, this step that they took to get closer to you and to follow in your son's path. So thank you so much for just this incredible day. Um, and thank you for these kids. We ask all to your name. Amen. All right, Julia, over to you. Brandon. Well, good morning. Um, welcome to Anastasia Church. My name is Julia. I'm the college young adult minister here. And um, you may have had to park in a new place this morning. You may have got the chance to ride on our Anastasia buses for the very first time. So what an exciting time to be a part of our church. Thank you for your patience as we are breaking ground on our new family building. And we are so excited for what the Lord is doing through this opportunity. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, you may not know that this is not our normal, but we are so excited for this uh, season at our church. You can text the number 904-441-6900 to pull up our digital connect card. So if you're new, you've been here a few weeks, or you have a prayer request, that's a great way to get those over to us. You can also text that same number and text the word news. That will pull up our digital bulletin, let you know what is happening here at our church. And some of you also may have noticed that there is um, some weather coming our way towards Florida. We will keep an eye on that and let y'all know if it will affect any of our midweek services. Uh, we want you to be safe and make the best decision for your family. So if the island is evacuated or we are under a warning, there will be no church services. Please do not come here. Um, take care of your family and yourselves during those times. However, we are still planning our men's event this Saturday, Champion. Men, if you have not registered, go ahead and do that. It's going to be a great um, time together, eating delicious food, throwing axes, riding bulls, doing all the manly things. Um, and we also have another baptism that's coming up on October 2nd. So if you have not taken that next step in your faith and you would like to be a part of that, um, you can come see one of our decision counselors after the service, and they'd be happy to talk with you and get you ready for that. And church family, I encourage you to come to these beach baptisms. They are such a beautiful um, just expression of what God is doing through our church. As I said, we are in a building phase in the life of our church, and we had an incredible groundbreaking service last Sunday. The rain stopped just in time to be able to turn the ground on this new Family Life Center, and that is because Y'all are so generous in your giving, and we are so grateful to see how God has been moving through each and every one of you, and thank you for your gifts, thank you for your time, thank you for being the hands and feet 
of Jesus. When you give to Anastasia Church, you're giving to so many people that are hearing the gospel for the first time. And it's because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness to what God has given you and giving others that we're able to continue doing these ministries. Let's pray now for our offering. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we can gather together in your house, Lord. We thank you that we can gather in your name. Lord, we praise you for who you are. And I pray if there's someone here that um, is having a hard week or a hard time, Lord, that they would just pray in your name because your name is above every other name, Lord. It's able to take care of all of our problems and we're able to go through life because of who you are, who you are to us. And Lord, as we give of our offerings at this time, I pray that they would be a blessing to you. Lord, we have so little for what you give us, but I just pray that they would be a blessing to you, that they would be used for your kingdom and for your glory's sake. Pray us all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. How exciting is it to be in God's house today? I mean, we just got to witness seven children who have given their life to Jesus. How incredible is that? Last weekend, we had groundbreaking, and we've got to witness God's faithfulness through the years to lead us up to this point. And uh, I mean, how exciting is it to be a part of what God is doing? Can we give God a round of applause for what he's doing in the house? I mean, how good is it to be in his house to worship him? Hey, so many exciting things happening in the house. You, you heard about uh, groundbreaking last week. Some things look different uh, around here. I, I just encourage you, as uh, there may be some inconveniences over the next few weeks, hang with us, right? Uh, we know God, God's got big things in store, so uh, bear with us while we're in construction phase. Uh, we are really excited about what God's doing here. Uh, also, as you heard, we, we have our men's event coming up. We had our Ladies Flourish event that was a huge success a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a marriage event this past Friday night or Thursday night that was a great success. So guys, it is our turn, right? And so you want to register for that men's event, uh, you can go to anastasiachurch.org backslash champion and sign up for it. We've got a ton of giveaways. We just got a grill that we're going to be giving away. Every guy needs a grill, right? And so you can get that. We have an incredible guest speaker. So encourage you uh, to be there and looking forward uh, to our time of fellowship and being encouraged together. Well, hey, we're, we're continuing in our series uh, entitled 517, and this morning we're going to be looking at God's faithfulness. We're going to look at God's characteristic as he is faithful. Um, but before we kind of jump in there, uh, I'll tell you a little story. A, a few years ago, about six or seven years ago, I, I got the opportunity to take my daughter uh, to Disney for the very first time. And we were going to Disney, and we had parked in the parking lot. We were in like Goofy 500. I don't know where we were. Um, and we were, you know, making our way from the parking lot over to Magic Kingdom. And, and you have to take either a tram or uh, the boat over. And so we were taking the boat over, and, and we were loading on, and, and we were getting, uh, you know, on this, this boat that was going to take us over. And there were just people, loads of people coming on this boat. This was before COVID, and there were just Tons of people. And, and just to the point where I thought there couldn't be any more people on this boat, they loaded about another 200 people, right? And so we're all crammed in there with all of our best friends, and we're sitting next to each other, and it was like a hot summer day, and it was like humid, and you could smell the sunscreen and a little bit of body odor maybe. We're all huddled in there, and it was hot. It was sticky. I was looking around, and there were at least 10 kids dressed up in full costumes in the summer, right? And, and we're hanging out there, and we're, we're getting to the place on the boat ride where you can start to see the Magic Kingdom, right? You can see the, the castle and all of Disney there. And, and uh, 
as, as we're getting close and, and you could see it, I remember the, the announcer on the microphone coming on, on the boat and he's saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Disney World's Magic Kingdom, the happiest place on earth. And right at the time when he said that, I heard at least 30 to 40 kids crying at that same time. And I'm pretty sure I heard about 10 to 20 parents crying as well, right? And they were fighting, they were arguing. And, and you know, it was, here it was, this guy was saying, hey, we're getting ready to go to the happiest place, but here everybody's crying and bickering and fighting and arguing. And, uh, you know, as we story through the Bible and we come to the place where the people of Israel are, this is kind of what it looks like, right? They are really going to the best place that they could possibly be. They're in the promised land. They have God's favor with them. They have his protection. They have his blessing. Yet where we see them is that they are crying, bickering, and angry at God because of where they are. And, uh, you know, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, we've been storying through the Bible, and we've been going through, uh, we looked at God the creator, right, as a characteristic of who he is, that God is the creator, and and he's still creating new life. We looked in Genesis. We looked that he is the author of our hope in the midst of our brokenness through the fall of man. We looked that he is the author of the truth and the promises through Abraham, right, and and made a promise to Abraham and a covenant with him. We looked that God gives purpose We looked at the Ten Commandments, and we looked at that God is our deliverer, and he is always victorious in delivering his people as we looked at him delivering the the Israelites to the promised land. But today, I I want us to focus in on God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And, And I think when we stop to consider the faithfulness of God, and we look through Scripture at God's faithfulness throughout the Bible, what we see is God's faithfulness is not always dependent upon our faithfulness. I mean, aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that God doesn't give up on us in our unfaithfulness when we're wavering, when we're wandering in our faith, that he remains faithful to us? And as we look kind of at the season of where the people of Israel were, they've been delivered to the promised land, and, and now they're crying out, and they're crying out for a, a king or a judge to reside over them. And you know, as you, as you think about the, the people of Israel, they were taken out of slavery and oppression, and they had never been a people or a nation of, them, of their own and, and declared by God, and they had moved out of the Exodus, right? And, and now that they've been delivered and established in a new land, God had been faithful, right? He had set up so many things for them to be successful. He gave them the covenant. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the Levitical law. Like He gave them provisions throughout the time. And, and they needed that to be a successful nation. But now that they are there, we kind of see them wavering and wandering in their faith. They had God's provision. They had his protection. They had his leadership. But they start to wander a little bit. And uh, so this morning, we're going to look at that, uh, a part of the scripture, really 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings really are the account of the kings over Israel, right? And so uh, what we see, though, is throughout this time uh, that God is with them and God is faithful, they, they start to let jealousy kind of creep in their lives, and they lose sight of the king of kings. And so we're going to look at the era of the kings with Israel, which really starts in 1st Samuel. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And we're going to be picking up in verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. And if you're able this morning, will you please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 4. 
Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are the old and your sons do not walk in your ways. What a lovely thing to say. Hey, you're old, right? And, and he says, Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us all, like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. I'm going to flip over just now to Psalms 93. I'm going to read verses 1 2 says this, the Lord reigns and he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed and he has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. So as we look at First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, they tell the story of 42 kings and one queen who collectively ruled over Israel. There was a time when they ruled over all of Israel, and then there was a split uh, between the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. Uh, we're going to go over uh, in more detail all the kings at a later series in the spring, but I'm going to kind of, as we story through it, give you some overview. And what I love about the book of First and Second Kings, and as we look at Samuel and, and studying the kings over Israel, I think we see some huge theological truths as it relates to the heart and the brokenness of man, but also the faithfulness in the covenant and the everlasting kingdom of God. And so this morning, if, if you're taking notes, we're going to look at some theological truths from historical count of the kings of Israel and Judah. First thing that you can write down this morning is our hearts long for a king. Our hearts long for a king. Going back to our passage in, in Samuel, he said, give us, the people of Israel said, give us a king to judge us. You know, we, we don't use king a lot in, in our, our daily circles, our daily conversations, but essentially what the people of Israel were asking for is they were asking for leadership. They wanted a leader. And, and really that came out of a place of being jealous and comparing themselves as a nation to the other nations. And they came to God and they said, God, all the other nations have a king, right? They had a physical king. We want one too. But what they didn't realize, what they didn't embrace, what they didn't accept is they had something far greater than an earthly king. They had an eternal king and an everlasting king, a king of provision, a king of hope, a king of covenant. And yet they found themselves living in comparison. They made this impulsive decision based off what they thought they needed and thought they wanted and not based off what they had in their Lord, their God. Anybody in here make impulsive decisions? Anybody ever go to the grocery store when you're hungry? <laughs> I swear, I've gone to the grocery store and I only needed to get milk and eggs, right? But then as I'm going through the grocery store, what I learn is that ice cream is, is half off, right? So I need a couple things of ice cream. And then I go down to the popcorn aisle, and popcorn is buy two, get 100 free. So I get popcorn, and then I get there, and you always need Oreos when you go to the grocery store, right? 
And then when I go to leave, I was supposed to get two things, and I impulsively bought a hundred things. Did I need any of those things? Maybe the Oreos. I'm not sure. No, I didn't need any of it, right? We, we make these impulsive decisions off things that we want, but we really don't need. This is where the people of Israel are. We, hey, we, we've looked at the other nations, and they have something that we don't have. They have a physical king uh, you know, who's walking the earth, and, and we think we need one. All the while, they have an everlasting God who's been with them and has been faithful to them, who had led them out of, uh, uh, you know, Egypt and had been faithful, and he had shown up over and over and over to take care of them. And they, they felt like they needed an earthly king. And what happened is, is they were, uh, as we look through the book of First and Second Kings and First Samuel and Second Samuel, they put too much faith in an earthly king when they should have put their faith in their eternal king. And as we look at that, you know, it's easy to point fingers. Why did you do that? But something that we struggle with. Sometimes we, we put our faith in men when it belongs to God. We need to trust in him. You know, I, I, I love this idea that we long for leadership. All of us, we long for someone to be our shepherd, to look over us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us make uh, wise decisions in difficult times. And, and sometimes we try to fill that need with earthly people, with earthly leaders, with earthly kings. But can I tell you, our eternal longing for leadership in our life can only be fulfilled in Christ. It can only be fulfilled in Christ. The people of Israel kept trying to put the kings, the earthly kings, in the place of the heavenly king. And can I tell you, it didn't work out for them. And so we should learn from them. And so who is your faith in? Are you leaning on the Lord, the God, your king, as the one to guide and direct your life? Or are you putting your faith in earthly kings and earthly leaders? Because can I tell you, from the perspective of what we see in First and Second Kings, is they're only going to let you down. But our heavenly father will never let you down. Put our faith and trust in him. Second thing you can write down this morning is we are prone to wonder. <laughs> Man. Lord said to Samuel, you know, going back to our passage, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Some very theological truths about the heart of man is we're prone to wonder. Just like the, the old hymnal goes, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, right? We are in seasons of life and we often wonder. We often lose sight of what is most important and who is most important in our life. The people of Israel wondered in the wilderness. Even though God was with them, they, they lost faith, they lost trust, and a whole generation of people missed out on the promises of God and being delivered into the, uh, the promised land. First and Second Kings highlights over and over again the, of the unfaithfulness of the people of God. And turning and trusting to God, right? They, they kept putting their faith in, in kingly leaders. They kept worshiping false idols and things of this world. And it led to them wondering. And over and over again, we see God trying to be faithful and keep his covenant. And he sends the prophets who to kind of hold the kings accountable, hold the, the people of God accountable. And he would, you know, beckon them, call them back to be in relationship with him. But over and over again, they would wonder. But there's one thing that I notice as we story through the Bible. It's the need of the shepherd. It's the need of the eternal king. Because we are prone to wonder, but as we look in Scripture, and just like the prodigal son story tells, God in our wondering is calling. He is waiting. 
He is looking for our return. He loves us. He cares for us. And he's looking at us from a distance as we wander. And over again, we see that God's faithfulness is with us in our unfaithfulness. Not that he blesses our wandering. Not that he blesses our unfaithfulness. But the Lord desires that we as his people would return unto him. Over and over again, we see God's faithfulness. One of our biggest takeaways in what we see in First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel and the, the wandering of the people is that the Lord is with us. Isaiah 53, 6, right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. It's a reminder that all of us have that temptation in our life to wonder in our faith. What is wondering in our faith? It means losing priority on what's most important, losing focus on what things are most valuable in our life. Uh, I, you know, I think about how do we keep from wandering in our relationship with the Lord? How do we keep from losing sight of what's most important. You know, I think it starts with limiting our distractions in the world, keeping focused on what is so valuable, what is so important to the internal things of the kingdom. Everybody knows, right, the world that we live in is, is full of distractions, right? Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there are distractions. Limit the distractions in your life. Keep things in perspective, right? This is another thing we can do. Keep kingdom-minded, keep kingdom-focused, Stop chasing the things of the world and chase the things of the kingdom. And thirdly is, I think, how do we keep from wondering is we stay committed to our faith and to the community of faith that God has placed us in. Be connected. Be involved. It's hard to wonder when you're, you're seated and, and, and you're placed and you're serving and you're a part of what God is doing. We've got to stay committed to what God has called us you know, as we've looked through, we, we've looked at two kind of theological truths about man's struggle and brokenness. Ultimately, our, our need for spiritual leadership in our life, uh, our, our, our kind of, our, our condition that we are prone to wonder, we're prone to wonder away from God. Now, now I want to look at two theological truths that we can see about our Father in heaven, right? That we can learn in First and Second Kings. Third thing that you can write down this morning is we have an everlasting king. We have an everlasting king. You know, as Samuel is praying and seeking the Lord's counsel, as the people of Israel are coming to him and say, hey, we need an earthly king, God replies to him and says, hey, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me as king. They've rejected the everlasting king. But as I read that passage in Psalm, it reminds us of the kingdom God that we serve. It says, the, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty, the Lord is robed, he is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established, and it shall never be moved. He says, your throne is established from old, you are everlasting. Anybody know that the God we serve is an everlasting God from old to today, from beginning to end. He is a faithful and everlasting God. He is not moved. He is not changed. He is seated on the throne. I don't know about you, but I'm going to put my faith, I'm going to put my trust in him because he is the only one deserving. You know, as you look at the people of, of Israel and you're like, why are they crying out for an earthly king when they have an everlasting king? I, you know, I struggle to think what, what brought them to this place. But the reality is, is we are no different. We have an everlasting king, but we try to put our faith and our eyes and our trust on the things of this world. 
And you know, the, the, the whole thing that led them there is they started comparing their kingdom to other kingdoms. Anybody else do that? <laughs> Anybody else get on Facebook and see, oh, well, look at what they have. Why don't I have that? Or, or, or you look at your brother and your sister and think, why, why do they have that and I don't have that? And we start comparing kingdoms and they're thinking, well, I need to do what they did. And maybe I'll have that kingdom and I'll have the things that they have. Can I tell you something, a better way to live your life? Just live in faithfulness to the Lord our God and trust the life that he has given you and called you to live and walk in obedience that day to day. There is so much more purpose. There is so much more fulfillment. There is so much more joy that comes from living in relationship with the Lord and living the life that he has called us than trying to live somebody else's life. Don't let comparison creep into your life. And the second thing is, is we have this short-term view of things. You know, some of you came to church this morning, and you're like, you went to go park in the back parking lot, and then you realize you had to walk all the way around the building. And if you're like me, you're like frustrated. Oh, man, I got to walk all the way around. And it's easy to get frustrated on this short-term view. Next couple months, it's going to be like this. But can I tell you, keep sight of the bigger picture. God is going to be building a place for your children and youth to come, to feel safe, to be encouraged, to worship. And this is just a momentary time of inconvenience because we know that God's got something bigger ahead, right? That's the story of our life. We get focused in on what's right in front of us and we miss what God is trying to do in the long picture. Don't focus so much on the short game. Look at the big kingdom. Over and over again, Jesus would teach his disciples, his, let's look at the kingdom view. Church, let's look at the kingdom view. Look at what really matters. I, I'm reading a book right now, and, and uh, the author's talking about how to keep focused on what's eternal. And he says, you know, I get so distracted in putting all my faith and trust in things that are not going to really matter when I'm gone, right? And so he said, what I did is I took two different types of sticky notes, and I picked one color. He picked yellow for the first sticky note, and he wrote eternal on them. And he went and he placed those eternal sticky notes on everything that's eternal. He put one on his chest. He says, you know, my relationship with God, that's eternal. He went into his family and he stuck sticky notes on all his family. <laughs> he said, those are eternal relationships. They're a part of the kingdom. I need to share my faith with them. And so he went and he put an eternal sticker on his Bible, right? I need to study the God of, you know, God's word. And then he had a pink sticky note and it said, uh, not eternal, right? And he placed that on all the things that didn't matter, his clothes, his car, you know, his house. And he put those sticky notes on there because he wanted to keep priorities straight on what was most important. That's what God's telling us. We have an eternal king. We have a king who is reigning forever and ever. The book of Revelations tells us that when we go to be with him, when we are in heaven, we are worshiping together, that we are going to reign with him forever, everlasting. Let's keep our mind and our perspective on that which is most important. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away. <laughs> it's all going to be gone. But you know what remains? But my words will never pass away. Let's keep our focus on that which is eternal. Fourth thing you can write down. Our God is faithful to his word and covenant. In our passage in Samuel, he says, uh, God's talking, according to all the deeds they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day. God was trying to remind Samuel and the people of Israel how faithful 
God had been. He kept his covenant. He kept his promise. He was faithful to his word. Our God is faithful to his word and covenant, which means he is with us in our wandering. That was a part of his commitment and covenant to the people of Israel. Even though they wandered, even though they lost sight of what was most important, God kept his promise and covenant with them. You know, our God is a covenant-keeping God. Our God is a promise-keeping God. God does not write a check to his people that we cannot cash. You know that? <laughs> I don't know how many of you have written a check in the last year. I don't know. A lot of us don't write checks anymore, right? That's a foreign thing. But if you take your check, right, what, essentially what a check is, you write it out to a, a person and, and you make it out an amount and you write out the name and a, a check is really a promise, right? I write this check, I'm going to give it to you and, and you, can know, you can take my promise that you can take it to the bank and cash it and that money that I wrote the check for is going to be there, right? And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't, <laughs> then you bounce the check, right? You're unfaithful to your promise and your covenant that you've made. You know, I, I think that as we look at God, you know, God has never bounced a check to us. God has never broken a promise to us. God has never not kept his word. God has not never kept his covenant. If God has given us a promise, then we can take it to the bank. Because <laughs> he is faithful and we see throughout scripture over and over again for Abraham, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. We see that carried out in scripture. You could take it to the bank. To Moses, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt, and I'm going to take you to the promised land. He cashed, the people of Israel cashed that check. It was there. But yet, even in God's faithfulness, even in all that God had done, the people of Israel struggled to believe God's promises. Just like you and I, we struggle to believe God's promises. Some of you are here this morning, and, and you came here with a heavy load of brokenness, sin in your life, and, and you've heard the promises that, hey, Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sins and the debt of your sins, and there's nothing that God can't forgive or restore in the power of his salvation and resurrection on the cross. Some of you are here this morning, you're having a hard time believing. I'm with you. I've been there. Can I tell you, as we look through Scripture, what we see is not a God who is unfaithful keeping his promises. We're not seeing a God that didn't show up when he was gonna, said he was going to show up. No, we see a God with every promise, with every commitment, with every covenant held up to his part of the deal. You know, one of the promises that came was that one day, king would come, and this king would be different from all the other kings. This king would not only restore the kingdom of Israel, but he would bring salvation to those who are lost, hopeless, and helpless. One day, that came to fruition in the man, Christ Jesus, and he went to the cross and when he went to the cross, he paid for the fullness of humanity's sin. And he made a promise that anyone who would come to him, anyone who would uh, bow down before him and put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus, that their forgiveness would be separated as far as the east and the west, that the fullness of their brokenness and their debt would be paid for good forever. 
we need to hold on to that promise. If you're here and you're struggling, can I tell you that, that my life, that so many of our lives in here are a testimony that our God is faithful, that he is a covenant-keeping God, and he is a promise-keeping God. We need to be reminded God was faithful, God is faithful, and God will continue to be faithful to his promises. So this morning as we come to a time of invitation, I don't know what burden you're bearing. I don't know what promise of God you're struggling to hold on to and to believe. Can I tell you, God is faithful. Let's give him the respect. Let's give him the faith. Let's give him the worship that he deserves because he is faithful. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, we want to give you all glory and all honor and all praise this morning. We thank you that even in the midst of our wandering and even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, God, you are faithful to us. Not that we deserve it, not that we can earn it, but God, because of your goodness. Lord, some of us in here are having a hard time trusting that when you went to the cross, when you paid for it all, sometimes some of us are having a hard time holding on and believing that promise. Father, I pray this morning through the power of Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would nudge their heart. Would you tell them, Lord, that you have finished it. There's nothing left to be done. There's nothing left to be paid for, that you did it, you completed it on the cross. And Father, this morning that they could surrender it over to you. Lord, I I pray right now this morning that maybe someone is carrying the burden of their sin in their life. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I pray right now where they are at, that God, that they would just, they would just pray this prayer. Lord, I, I come to you with my brokenness and sin, and Lord, I know that you died on the cross, and I believe that your son Jesus died for me. I wanna accept the gift of your salvation. Forgive me of my sins and come into my life. In your name I pray. God, I I pray this morning that maybe somebody prayed that prayer this morning. God, I pray, Father, that as they prayed that prayer, that they would take a next step of faith. And God, that they would would come forward this morning and share that good news of that decision of following you with this church so that they can be encouraged. Father, I pray this morning for someone who maybe needs to take that next step of baptism, just like we saw this morning. Maybe this morning they would do it. God, however you're leading, however you're guiding this morning, God, I pray that we would follow in faithfulness because you have been faithful to us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Let's stand, let's worship. And if if you prayed this morning, if you wanna take a next step of faith, you come as the Lord leads. I'd love to pray with you this morning. You come.
stretch out our life to you, Lord, and we give you our hallelujahs. Thank you for this message today, for how you're working this place. Go with us with your grace and peace, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Have a great Sunday.